This episode is brought to you by WordPress. As a creator, I'm pretty picky about the tools that I use. And I've used WordPress.com to build every website I've created for the past 10 years. I love the freedom and flexibility that the platform gives me. And the best part is, you don't need to do the coding or the design. The WordPress customer support team is there 24-7 to help you get your site up and running. Plus, there's built-in SEO and specialized plugins for almost any feature you want to add. Plans start at just $4 a month. Get started today by going to wordpress.com slash hurry slowly for 15% off your brand new website. That's wordpress.com slash hurry slowly. I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can be more productive, creative, and resilient through the simple act of slowing down. Today's mini episode is short in length, but deep in thought. I'm joined by Renata Seletzel, a Slovenian philosopher, sociologist, and author of the excellent book, The Tyranny of Choice, a slim volume that completely changed the way that I think about decision-making. Essentially, the book is about why living in a consumer society filled with infinite choices gives us so much anxiety. And a huge part of the reason is that we start to get lulled into the idea that everything is a choice. And not just any choice, but a choice with an ideal outcome. Who we should marry, if we have kids, how our career plays out. So we start to invest a lot of time and energy in trying to make the right choice. But it turns out that all that energy that we're now putting into making all of these different choices not only makes us less happy, it also sabotages our ability to tap into our creativity. But Renata can explain all of this much better than me. So let's dive in. You argue that we suffer from an overwhelming amount of choices in the world today, which is why we're so anxious to take other people's advice. We do it because we want to be relieved of the duty of making the choice for ourselves. But why does taking that advice then leave us so unsatisfied and even perhaps a little bit more anxious? Yeah, first we mostly suffer from overwhelming consumer choices and uh, this ideology of choice, however, has moved from the domain of consumerism also to the domain of kind of thinking about subjectivity. So more and more people are perceived that everything in their life is a matter of choice. And like from the direction of life, um, you know, having children or not, career, love, health, how we look, all these things which decades ago were not that much linked to uh, rational choice, you know, are now perceived something that we can sort of work towards, uh, make ideal choices, uh, get satisfaction with what we come with. And, you know, like the problem is that um, quite often choice is perceived as rational choice. And most of our choices are highly influenced by first, you know, our past, our um, family experience, the unconscious uh, traumas, uh, sort of memories that are deep buried, but suddenly maybe reemerge. And we are also influenced by what other people are choosing. 
uh, we are constantly you know, sort of checking how our choices uh, are in line with uh, what we perceived might be socially uh, ideal choice. So we are also influenced by much kind of a broader social setting, cultural setting in which we live, which is why we can see differences in which choices people make in different cultural environments. So the best problem, is, the best way to think about choice is that it is a lot of the times not purely rational decision making. We should not forget that we are rational people, but we are influenced by, you know, sort of irrational things, social things around us. The social, sort of the social constructs that social surround constructs us. And the unconscious, you know, sort of what, you know, we need to understand from psychoanalytic point of view, it's that subject is not, you know, simply a rational being, but, you know, has sort of like, uh, sort of in him drives desires, which go beyond the rational perception. So do you think that this, um, you know, feeling of control or empowerment is really just an illusion? No, it's the way neoliberal ideology functions. Um, it's very much part of today's uh, sort of ideology, which uh, relies on, you know, kind of extreme individualism and, you know, the underside of this idea that everything is in your hand is, of course, the feeling of guilt, anxiety, inadequacy. And the tendency of people to primarily, you know, criticize themselves when something doesn't go well. Uh, we should also not forget that ideology of choice sort of heavily relies on sort of an ideal of success, happiness, which I think are creating a lot of havocs in people's lives. Um, you know, we shouldn't forget that uh, already Sigmund Freud was pointing out the closest that people can come to being content, uh, you know, happiness would be too much of a charge toward uh, is to find kind of something meaningful to do in their life, to be in some way creative, to do something and to be able to form relationships. And that's still, you know, these two things are still incredibly valuable for people. But, you know, happiness are just kind of fleeting moments which don't last. And, you know, if we if we were to achieve some kind of a state of bliss, we probably wouldn't be creative at all. You have to be dissatisfied in a way to do something in your life. So that's an interesting point, right? Because there's so many um, apps and video games and entertainments, right, to sort of fulfill that role of satisfaction and potentially distract you from the dissatisfaction that might lead you to do something creative. You know, you talked about sort of the really intense focus on consumerism. Do you think that that focus in a way kind of um, drains us of some of the energy that we might use to be creative? By which I mean, you know, we kind of spend all of this time and energy deciding what stereo to buy, um, you know, which kind of takes away sort of energy and effort that we might otherwise put into, you know, a creative endeavor or something of that nature. Definitely, you know, definitely the obsession with choice, uh, especially consumer choice, the constant, uh, you know, reading of advice, uh, you know, about products, about what to do with our lives and so on is draining our energy. 
not only from you know being more creative in our lives but also to be more socially engaged and you know the danger of this ideology of uh, choice which is linked to individualism is that people are far less investing their time to think about political choices uh, social choices about creativity uh, one of the most valuable books uh, I have read on this is an old book by the uh, choreographer Twyla Tarp, um, which I think wonderfully describes anxiety, which is always linked to creativity. When I'm sitting in front of an empty uh, sort of kind of a, a piece of paper or uh, an empty canvas or silence, if I'm uh, uh, working in the domain of music or an empty space if I'm a choreographer, the first moment uh, of creativity in some way requires that I overcome the anxiety related to this emptiness and perceive myself uh, being able to maybe do something new. But what she also describes well is that creativity doesn't come out of kind of conscientious planning or, you know, kind of purposeful study, uh, but rather through random moments when we are, you know, observing something, collecting something, reading something, which quite often we might think might not lead anywhere, you know. So creativity is a surplus of, you know, a certain kind of, um, let's say, messy pursuit of the subject, but, you know, a subject who is primarily dissatisfied with the answers that he or she has found in others. So if we bring this back to decision-making, you almost seem to be arguing that what we have isn't really a decision-making problem, but if we get to the root, what we're really dealing with is a problem almost of inventing too many choices for ourselves, which we then sort of have to bear the burden of. Do you think that we should, you know, I don't know, try to sort of artificially constrain that or even question the very notion of what a, a decision is, what a choice is? Yeah, my my point is that, you know, any kind of choice that we make, an important choice in our life, always involves uh, a certain element of a loss. And, you know, especially when we make a choice in regard to one direction of life, having children or not, you know, important choices in our private life, uh, we lose the possibility to choose something else at that point. Now, a lot of people are paralyzed in front of choice because they cannot easily deal with this idea of loss, and which is why people would forever uh, procrastinate before they make a decision. Um, now, this procrastination is also kind of linked to the problem that people have the perception that they can make an ideal choice, and, you know, that if they will think long and hard, they might get satisfaction out of their choices. And I think that the first step is to kind of uh, accept that loss is part of choice and also accept that, you know, there is no ideal choice. So do you think that we should sort of embrace the dissatisfaction of choice or just, I guess, um, think of it as less final? Like, okay, if I make this choice, well, then I'll just, that empowers me to make another choice because that you know, brings in new information. Yeah, my own um, experience uh, after I finished uh, my book has been that my anxiety was far less present, uh, especially in regards to choices. I perceived them as, you know, 
far less uh, important, uh, especially kind of smaller consumer choices. Uh, and I perceive myself far less uh, um, responsible to figure out what will be an outcome of the choice because there is always an element of surprise uh, with the decisions, choices that we make, which one should not be able to, in a way, predict will this surprise happen or not. You know, surprise, chance, uh, these are the elements which uh, I kind of want us to see more, you know, so chance and choice are two different things and a lot of things in life rely not so much on, you know, rational choices, but on surprises, on, you know, unexpected, on choice, unpredictable. Mm, So if we think about, we can make the ideal choice and we can always know the outcome. That's actually, if we really think that through, it's quite boring. Yeah, but, you know, (laughs) it's one of the ways we deal with anxiety. We try to predict what might, what the future might bring, which, of course, we always fail. I hadn't thought about that final point that Renata made before. The idea that when we try so hard to make the right decision, the ideal choice, we are denying the role that luck, chance, and surprise play in our lives. The idea that being able to fully know and predict the outcome of every decision would actually be quite dull. After all, who wants to live a life where you know everything that's going to happen in advance? Where's the fun in making the leap to start a business or take a new job if you know it's going to work out just like you'd hoped from the start? Like it or not, chance is the necessary complement of choice. It's also what makes life interesting. The show was produced by Matt Susich, and our theme song was composed by Devin Craig Johnson. If you would like us to drop you a line when new episodes come out, you can subscribe to my extremely good-looking newsletter on the podcast website at hurryslowly.co slash newsletter. Finally, if you're a regular listener and you would like to support the show, the best way to do so is by writing us a review on iTunes. And there's a handy link at the bottom of the show notes for just this purpose. Once again, thanks for tuning in. And remember to hurry slowly.